Thanks for joining us on the first Champaign-Urbana First Christian Church Sermon Podcast this week. Today's message is a little different as we have a few members of our church share their story throughout the service. We've been in a series called Long Story Short and talking about how the Bible as well as our own personal faith stories break down in a similar format, before, but, because. It's a breakdown of before Jesus, uh, life was a certain way, but Jesus came and stepped into our lives. And so because of that moment, our lives are now changed because of our faith in Jesus. With that said, we want you to know that you can watch this message online to more easily track along with each person's story. To do so, visit fcc-online.org forward slash messages. We hope this message is encouraging to you, and if there's any way that we can help you with your faith journey this week, please feel free to reach out to us at the same website mentioned before. Thanks, and have a great week. I'm Adrian Wingler. I'm Samara Brown. I'm Karen Cottrell. My name is Ryan Brown, and this is my story. 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 Before I became a believer in Christ, I always had the goal of being successful and so to me it was very black and white that there was a, a right way and a wrong way to do something and so I was always striving to do what was right and that was you know through my grades through the career that I was choosing I believe that there was only one right way to do things. So I grew up in the church um, born 10 days before Christmas so literally went right into the Christmas season and uh, I just kind of went through the motions growing up, didn't really do things because I really wanted to. I did it because I felt like it was necessary for that next step, just to go through the motions. I didn't really own it. It wasn't my decision or my choice. And so when I went to college, uh, I went to Illinois Wesleyan, and I kind of uh, stepped back from the church, and when it really hit me, I really took a big step back was when my grandma passed away and I started questioning him. I started asking, is he real? Does he exist? Does he really, can he love us if he is, if he's letting this wonderful person leave so suddenly? Yeah, so I just stopped going to church. I stopped believing. I, I, I didn't even think about God really after that. So after my grandma passed away, um, I started going to more parties. I started to drink more and it, I felt better. I, I felt better just drowning those sorrows and those doubts with, with things that could numb the pain and just get me away from reality for a little bit. Before I knew Jesus, I didn't go to church. I didn't grow up going to church. Uh, my father is Jewish, my mother is Christian. So I, growing up, I didn't really choose either one. It wasn't until I was older that I started trying to make choices about myself and what I believed. And I always called myself spiritual but not religious. And that lasted for a long time. I believed that for a long time. And it wasn't until my kids came along and they were in youth group at my husband's church and I started going with them that I started looking at kind of who Jesus was and I didn't really know. I had never really studied. I never really knew much about him as a man. So I started listening and I wondered if maybe he felt like he was talking to me in church there with my kids. So I started paying attention and eventually I joined a church. Before my faith in Jesus, I was living a really unhealthy life. I had a lot of really unhealthy friendships 
it took me a long time to realize that it was actually just self-destructive friends that I was hanging out with, and I ended up being more self-destructive too. I would go out drinking quite often, and I thought I was doing it to feel better, but it actually just kept making me feel worse. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be sick and ashamed, and and then I'd, I'd just keep on doing the same thing, hoping it would feel better, and it didn't. It actually took me a long time before I could admit how difficult my life was then, as opposed to just the facade of drinking to have fun that I put on. But then uh, I got engaged to my now wife. We had dated all throughout high school um, and all throughout college. And we had, obviously we had grown together. We had been, been together for so long. We had grown so much. Um, but there was just something missing. There was a, a disconnect between, between us. We couldn't quite bridge that gap. Um, so as we were leading up to the wedding day, we started to get counseling from my pastor who was marrying us, who I grew up with, and we decided that going to church and getting, taking ownership of our faith was something that we needed to do to help get our relationship to the point where we needed it to be. But before I even knew it, Jesus was working in the people that, that I was interacting with, and so um, my aunt is one of the big influences in my life, and so during my college years when I believed that everything was black and white, she was there to remind me that just because something wasn't going the way that I had thought that it should, um, that it might not be part of God's plan for it to go that way. And so this was a time when I didn't even necessarily believe in God and have a relationship with Jesus, um, but she was there constantly reminding me that He was there for me even if I didn't realize it. I realized that it isn't black and white and that there's definitely more than one right way to do life and that it's so much more colorful than I could have ever imagined. About three years later, my husband was diagnosed with cancer and it was a very rare, very aggressive kind. And he was sent to a specialist at Barnes in St. Louis. It was many months of surgery, a couple of surgeries, followed by chemotherapy and then radiation after that. And we had to leave our kids here. They stayed with our parents and we had to rent an apartment in St. Louis and we basically had to live there while he went through his, um, his treatments. And one day in the hospital after we got him all hooked up to his IVs where he would stay there all day, I went for a walk in Forest Park across the street and it was common for me, it was something that I had started doing every morning and there wasn't anything unusual about that. But as I started walking through the park that morning, I just started getting really mad at God for everything that we were going through and I just stopped walking and I just said out loud, are you serious right now? Like, is this seriously what you want us to be doing right now? I can't believe this is where you have us. Like, my husband has a 20% chance of surviving this cancer. I'm a full-time student. He can't work now. Our kids are basically homeless, couch surfing. We have no money. And you're telling me that this is what you want us to be doing right now. I can't believe this. I have to hold all of this together 
and I can't believe this is where you have me right now. And I had a vision. And it was my husband standing in front of me. But it wasn't my husband, it was, it was Jesus. And it was my husband like a robe over the top of Jesus. And that I could see through the torn fabric, I could see Jesus on the inside and I could see Jim on the outside. And I heard a voice and it said to me, take care of my son. And I knew that that was God talking to me and I knew that he was telling me that what he wanted me to do was to take care of his son, this man that I saw standing in front of me, my husband on the outside and my savior on the inside and that God would take care of the rest. And he did. But because I was invited to First Christian by my uncle John, I decided to come. I wasn't expecting to, to have a big change happen, but I was expecting to meet some new people. And you know, I thought that maybe getting up early would be a reason not to stay out late so much anymore. But instead, I really felt myself change. I remember when the song Reckless Love came on, just standing there and trying to get the words out, but being unable to, and just tears just ran down my face. And I didn't know it at the time, but I really feel like that was the Holy Spirit coming to me. And I feel like Jesus was telling me, you don't have to live like this. I've got something so much better planned for you. You guys can have a seat real quick. And it's been an encouraging morning today to worship with you guys. It's been encouraging to hear these stories so far, and I, I can't wait for you to hear the end, the because part of the story. But we asked these guys to, to tell, share their story with us this morning because, one, we wanted you to feel the power of what God does in people's lives. We wanted you to understand that it's not just one person that has a great story, that God is working in thousands and thousands of lives in a powerful way. And we also wanted you to see that uh, all of our stories, whether it's God's story or our individual stories, follow sort of that same path, that before Jesus, that but Jesus moment and the because moment. And although, as Eric so perfectly said in Urbana last week, some of us have bigger butts than others. Did he just say that from stage? Why is his voice so weird this morning? Anyway. Some of us have that bigger butt moment because we realize that, oh, we've been forgiven of more. Or maybe some of us feel like, wow, our story's boring because we've just always loved Jesus. Let me tell you that every story, every story has power as long as it points to Jesus. Your story has power as long as it points to Jesus. You see, from the beginning of this whole series, we talked about the fact that that scripture has transformative power, that the story of Jesus, as we've broken down the entire Bible in one week, crazy, as we've done that, it showed that there is power and transformative power in scripture. As we talked about the power of stories and even their structure and the way the Bible is formed, we learned that. And as we looked at Apostle Paul's story last week, we saw that. But all of these had a clear-cut turning point, and that point was Jesus. It was the work of Jesus on the cross, and so whether it was the story of Scripture or the Apostle Paul or all the stories we've been hearing today, they all point to Jesus. 
And so I ask you this morning, does your story point to Jesus? If yes, that's awesome. We are so grateful that you are here, that you're part of this church. We need you. And we want to remind you in an encouraging way that that same grace that saved you is the same spirit and power that will sustain you going forward, that God is walking with you daily. And you need that. You absolutely need that because your job now is to share your story. Do you understand that? I'm paid to be a pastor. I'm not paid to save people though. That's all of our job, is to show them who Jesus Christ is in our story so that he can do that work. So for the rest of us in the room who maybe haven't come to that moment, we're still in the because, we haven't even got to that sort of but Jesus moment of our lives. Let me tell you a couple things that happened to those who found Jesus. The things, as my old pastor used to say, we're just the beggars who found the bread. Let us tell you what we found. It's the realization that we're all sinners. By the way, still sinner. We're all sinners and we need a savior. We need the grace of God to cover our sin. And then also, a little more sobering realization is that we still need his love and his grace daily for our sins, for our temptations, for our transgressions. There's just so much that we can't do on our own. Let me be very real with you. If you have not had that but Jesus moment where you've decided to follow him as your Lord and Savior, life doesn't get magically perfect. As a matter of fact, can I be super real with you? It might go the opposite direction because somebody is gonna be pretty mad. And they're going to come after you and they're going to say, let me get that guy back in my fold. Life doesn't get perfect. But let me tell you what happens. We have hope. We have hope that this life is as bad as it gets. That it only gets better than the afterlife as we, as we celebrate with the angels, with Jesus. That's amazing. But frankly, God wants it to begin here. He wants us to experience the joy of his life on earth and the truth of this life in him. Now we started this whole thing talking about the fact that we believe in the power of scripture. We believe that it's God breathed and all that comes with that. But the reality is we don't believe because it is written. It is written because it is true. Do you understand the difference? We believe that Jesus and what he did is true and that the power is in him. And it, this was written because of what he did. And so let me read just a section of what was written because of the work of Jesus this morning. It's in Ephesians 2. It says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we were united with Christ Jesus. And so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for those of us who are united with him in Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. And I can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. 
For we, listen to this, we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew. The old is gone so that we can do the good things he had planned for us long ago. As we move to a time of response, I want to ask you that question again. Does your story point to Jesus? Does your story point to Jesus? Some of us in this room can't say yes to that. As a matter of fact, we are definitely living in the before. We don't even understand what all this means. But I want to tell you, today could be the day. Today could be the day where you come up to this this prayer area and you can kneel down and you can say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you in my heart. I need you to be part of my family. Maybe it's a chance where you run and just, I don't care who it is, grab somebody beside you. I know they just got real nervous, but grab somebody beside you and talk about it and say, I need Jesus. What do I do? Maybe you write it on a card and you put it in these response boxes as we move around the room in a minute. But today can be that day. This can be your but Jesus moment. And there's nothing better. Nothing. Some of you guys have even thought that, like, okay, I need Jesus. Or I've had my but Jesus moment, but I've never even proclaimed that, like, to those around me. I haven't been buried in the waters of baptisms and raised to that new life, as Scripture says. Guys, next week is a baptism Sunday. You can write that same thing on those cards and put it in the boxes. You can, you can grab somebody. You can email us. Be part of what God is doing in this church and celebrate through baptism in a beautiful way next week. Some of you received this good news. It's been a part of your life, maybe for a year, maybe for 50 years. Maybe it's not quite as the because is not quite what it used to be. Maybe we've forgotten what that means, or maybe, frankly, we never quite knew. Maybe we lost the instructions, you know? And let me tell you what God is calling you to. He's calling you to share your story. Now, we're going to prepare for that. If you're new to this church, if you're new to this church, I want you to know that we're going to get up and do weird stuff. We're going to move around the room here in a second. And some people are going to come kneel up here and pray over whatever's on their mind, what God's moving in their hearts. Some people are going to go to these six tables around the room, and they're going to take communion, and they're going to celebrate the body that was broken for them on the cross and the blood that was spilled for them on the cross, and they're going to worship in that moment. Some people are going to give of their finances because that's the way that we believe God has called us to worship back is to be generous in him. So they will pull out, you'll see them pull out their phones and type on the Give app. Or maybe they'll walk to these boxes and throw a check in or whatever and just worship through generosity. But if you're one of those guys and you're going, what do I do next? Let me tell you. Tell your story. Not just to the people at church, which is encouraging and it's awesome because we get to know each other, but to the people who do not know Jesus. You know, I woke up this morning pretty mad at God. We have these moments a lot. And I said, seriously, I'm supposed to go preach about telling the story today and I can't talk. What are you doing? And as God often says, yeah, Jeff, you know better than I do. I don't think it was an accident. Because what settled into my soul is that when we don't tell our story, we rob God of his voice. Jesus has called us, has empowered us, and plans to use us to spread his kingdom, 
to show people who he is because of how he's moving in us, in you. Your story may feel like the most boring thing on the planet, but guess what? There's another boring person right beside you that needs to hear it. Or you may think you're too far gone. I Come talk to me because I promise you you're not. Your story may be the most powerful thing people ever hear. You may be who God has chosen to show them his face. And so I ask you this morning, prepare your heart, because when we leave this place, it's time to go share our stories. Whatever the next step is in your story, I just want to ask you one thing today. Don't waste this moment. Don't waste this moment. Would you stand with me? Father, there is no greater story than yours, but somehow you've chosen to speak through us. You've spoke, you've chosen to live in us and show people a glimpse of who you are even in our lives. And so, Father, I pray you lay your story on our heart. I pray that our story comes out of our mouths and that this world begins to change because your people grasp hold of exactly how you've lined this out, that you've called us to be an army of people spreading the good news Yes, in the Bible. Yes, in all the story structure. But, Father, in what you're doing in our own lives, too. Give us the boldness. And, Father, if there are people in this room right now who've not had that but Jesus moment, Father, I pray you give them boldness. I pray we welcome them with open arms. And, Father, may this be one of the most joyous days of their life. It's your name I pray, and we continue to worship. Because I was able to start building this relationship with Jesus, I was able to see things that normally wouldn't necessarily be considered a positive part of anyone's life. I was able to see the beauty in it. And so my relationship with Jesus helped me through um, struggles of infertility and helped me to better grow my relationship with my husband and has started helping me grow in my community as well as I have um, began to be part of small groups and to help with high school ministry here at the church. I've really found value in working for the purpose of God and his mission and his kingdom rather than focusing on grades and career and success. And because of the decision that we made to recommit ourselves and redirect our lives towards Christ, we were now closer together. The depression and things that I have been struggling with in college is very minimalized and and I can lean on God and just get through things that way instead of the, the vices that I had been clasping to before. Now I'm personally involved in the music music ministry, high school ministry, guest service team at, here at Urbana and I, I couldn't imagine my life any differently now and I, I it's all because we made that decision to start going to church and recommit ourselves back to to God and to His body. Because of the vision that God gave me, that encounter with Jesus, I now look for Jesus in everyone I meet. Sometimes I see him more, sometimes less, but now that's what I look for when I meet people. I look for Jesus and sometimes if I can't see him, I still have faith because I know he's there on the inside. Because Jesus held my hand and offered me forgiveness and grace, I let go a lot of the guilt and the shame that I'd been carrying for so long that led me to all that destructive behavior and the way of thinking where I was. Um, 
Um, and through that, I've met some really amazing people with awesomely positive intentions who have shown me that they care about me and, and they have a, a real love for Jesus, which is just absolutely inspiring. It's made a huge difference in my life. And I've been through difficult times before Jesus and with Jesus. But the difference is that now that I have support and strength like I'd never had before. Now go share your story where you live, work, and play.